0: Welcome to the Hey Soul Sister podcast, where Mel Histon will guide you through life's big questions and bring you one step closer to doing this crazy journey as best you can.
1: Hey Soul Sisters, what does success look like to you? Chances are when you think about success, you have a few of the classic markers of success floating around in your brain. Insert stock photo image of the boss working late into the night, or an image of an ecstatic but very relaxed luxury vacationer. You probably have some other more personal and perhaps more modern views of what success looks like kicking around in your head as well, such as money, career, popularity, and now in this day and age, influence, the influences. So what does success look like to you? And how do we bring success that we want into our lives on our terms? That's what I want to pull apart today because I find it really interesting to see how my vision or view of success has changed over the years. So today I have in the podcast studio with me, two awesome women. I have business leader, speaker and corporate coach, Alexandria Joy. Hello. Hey, AJ. Hi. And the fabulous Jan Bynen, who's a local philanthropist, former Hunter Medical Research Foundation board member and mama. Just all, all, all around, amazing woman. How are you going? Sounds it, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm great, thanks. AJ, when I first met you 17 years ago, I was applying for a job. Is it that long? <laughs> yes, I was applying for a job in the PR department at John Hanna Hospital, and you interviewed me, and then became my boss, and then you became my friend, and then we went on to work together at WorkCover New South Wales for a number of years, and have stayed friends since then which I love. Absolutely.
2: Yep. And I think the day I interviewed you I knew we'd be friends. <laughs> <laughs> I loved you instantly. Oh, thank you. And did I did
1: I it was one of my really happy times working in at the John Hunter in that PR department with you and Tash. It was it was a great team. Yeah. Now when I first met you we were both 27 years old. <gasps> And you were, I think it's fair to say, an incredibly driven corp- corporate career gal. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So you were in the process of completing an MBA at 27. You were the head of the PR department at John Hunter Hospital and on numerous committees. Mm-hmm. And you were always reading and could quote <laughs> numerous business books and quotes and business leaders even back then. And I remember you telling me that you're going to be a CEO one day.
2: Yes.
1: <laughs> and you became director at WorkCover at a very young age. Mm-hmm. Twenty-three or twenty? Oh, sorry, twenty-three. <laughs> I read that wrong. Thirty-two. 32.
2: <laughs> yeah, reversed by age. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. What was that like for you, That like, those times? I think I'd always been fairly driven and as you said, I was a, a reader and a lifelong learner so I've always absorbed a lot of information and a lot of kids when they're growing up say, who do you want to be when you grow up or what do you want to do and it, all the girls in my year wanted to be school teachers or air stewardesses and I wanted to be a CEO and um, I had a vision of myself with a briefcase and shoulder pads yep. and that's kind <laughs> of <laughs> yep. as uh, kind of full in depth as it got but um, yeah, so I'd always wanted to be in corporate. I'd always wanted to work. That had always been my
1: ambition. It's interesting because I had always wanted to be a career girl as well, but I think that was because of Heather Locklear on Melrose Place, <laughs> which I've never seen. Oh, she always looks so fabulous. Jean, do you remember that? Heather no, Locklear on Melrose Place? <laughs> it's,
0: it's, no. Oh my
1: goodness. She was like the advertising executive boss and she had the best suits. <laughs> And great hair, always looked fabulous. And I remember when I got my first job in an office at the age of 21, I went to Kew and Mm. bought the cream skirt. skirt and jacket. And I thought I was so freaking good. I thought I was I had a look, <laughs>
2: <laughs> Which is a bit like Suits now, right, on Netflix. It's all that look. And, and I definitely wanted to do that. And I wanted to lead people. I knew I wanted to do that. Yeah, I had no idea what that would mean. But, yeah, I was very, very driven and, you know, kept going back to uni and thinking I always had to learn more in order to do better and never felt like I'd arrived until it was always, oh, I better do another course. I should yep. read another book. So I was quite driven in that way and hungry, but probably not realising or appreciating where I was at.
1: And I think that probably a lot of us can be like that, is that it's like you reach some sort of milestone or target and then it's like, okay, what's the next? And we don't actually celebrate that. I'm so guilty of that. No.
0: Great successes are deposited in the bank and we never look at the balance. Yeah. I mean we've just so many things people do through their lives and I'm just gonna do this and that, but they never congratulate themselves and success means so many things especially over a lifetime and the older you get your success vision changes of what success really means mm. and um yeah so it's a, an interesting thing you know sometimes failures make great successes so. absolutely mm. we'll pull that apart a bit more and <laughs> i love that analogy you
1: just shared
2: about you know the deposits and the bank account and certainly i know i lived in my head and in the future And so that meant I never came back into my body or in the now or Or had that gratitude for where I was at because I was always thinking about what was next.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And my memory of you in that time, so when we worked at WorkCover together, okay, that was a while ago. (laughs) Like I remember speaking to you at midnight once Mm -hmm. and you were up working, sitting, I think you were in the loft in in Mezzanine in your garage. Yes. And
2: you were working away and Mm -hmm. we were having conversations at midnight. Yeah, that was pretty much the norm. Yeah, Yeah. and I probably only slept four or five hours a night. I did that easily for a good decade Yeah, and would have told you I was okay until I eventually left and did have a health check and found out that my body was falling apart on me and you know from stress and overwork and adrenal fatigue but I would have told you I was okay yeah. and I was still going to the gym and running and doing whatever every day
1: yeah mm. I remember um <laughs> you actually telling me back then you only had four to five hours sleep a night and I, I knew that you were a very high not functioning that doesn't sound great doesn't like <laughs> you worked at a really high level you were a super yeah. achiever mm. um but I remember you telling me you only were, had four to five hours sleep all night and I was kind of
2: Yeah, which now I know much more that that means you're living on cortisol and your body is totally out of balance, and you know you're actually draining and straining your body and really cutting years off your life without realising it. Mm. Yeah,
1: but it's really interesting because I looked at you and you were my Heather Locklear, (laughs) just without the cream suit. (laughs) (laughs) You had some pretty amazing pinstripes and hair. You did do pinstripes. So tell me, your life is very different now. I mean, you have your own consultancy Mm -hmm. and you travel the country Mm -hmm. advising different businesses, business leaders working with different organisations, and you're a CEO. (laughs) But from looking at
2: you, your views or vision of success has certainly changed. Absolutely. Yeah. And probably at least a 180 degree shift if not more yeah and and it's probably what I do spend the most of my time on now when I am consulting and working with CEOs is bringing them back into their body and helping them realize that the environment that they're creating in a workplace is shaping those people's lives and their experience of their life and their health and well-being and so I'm really big now with any CEO I'm working with that health and well-being of their employees has to be part of their strategy it can't be a nice add-on it has to be the bedrock
1: absolutely and what about the view of success for yourself because you live life very differently now
2: yeah success for me now is that I've had a slow morning (laughs) yeah which is crazy yeah in comparison yeah and that I have had time to go within to meditate to appreciate nature all of that is far more important now and it's because I'm not living in the future I'm living in the now I that's love that.
0: really
2: important. And is that, that's what
1: mindfulness has taught you because you very much practice mindfulness.
2: Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, a daily meditator, have been for years. Initially, though, yeah. I did that as a competitive sport as well. So yeah. I took that on like I did corporate and was always comparing how well I was meditating and things like that. So I totally missed the point in the beginning. But now I've really learned to settle and be still. I now, you know, get the benefits of it much more. Mm. So between the two
1: of you, Jan and AJ, when you're you know in the world meeting people with the work that you do in the community, Jan, um, your involvement with HMRI, with you and your husband have a very successful business yourself, AJ, you're speaking to different corporates and business leaders all the time. What do you see as maybe some of the commonality or the common threads that people are striving for now in terms of success?
0: The common thing that I see is time and sitting back and reflecting on the things you do to get the success you want i think you know sometimes success isn't a, and happiness is right where we stand we just look too far we were
1: having a chat recently and you were saying to me that it concerns you when you see women of our generation aj's and mine um, and probably with your daughters and uh, and friends in that in our world that it seems as though we are pushing ourselves too hard.
0: I think so. I think um, Heidi and I met a long time ago. We were on the foundation together, and um, and I could see it in her face. That's from a mama looking at a daughter. Mm. <laughs> and um, I I really think that we've all had so many successes, but we don't applaud them yep. and remember the successes we've had on a day to day basis. Uh, well, today everybody puts so much pressure on themselves to achieve things that aren't even really relevant I mean we all like lovely things you know nice paintings cars houses whatever but at the end of the day when you're lying on your lounge mm-hmm. with your family and you're all tucked up and you're watching telly together not sitting there thinking about cars and houses involved are well, you thinking about you're just being there doing what you're doing at that mm-hmm. moment and enjoying what's around you and that's successful as well. There are so many things that define us uh, as people, you know, as, as a person and as a group and what we can do together. I do worry about today. You know, that I think everybody's just trying to cram too much in. We forgot that years ago, you were a success when you put a roof over your family's head, you fed your children, you educated them, and everybody would go, oh, you've done so well. Now, we don't acknowledge all those little things as we go along. It's more and more and more. And we don't sit back and congratulate ourselves and go, you know what, I've done a good job. I've raised a family or I've had wonderful parents who love me and I am... A person of the community that is giving and caring and sharing. I think we've lost a lot of those things because we are too busy. And I also think that if you look
2: at a life wheel, you know, people often say, have they got balance in their life? It used to be health, family, work, maybe. They were kind of the only things on the wheel. But now with social media and the way the world is, I think that life wheel has like a hundred things. You know, people are, Going, do I do the right fitness? Do I have the right clothes to wear for that? Am I drinking the right coffee at the right place? And you know, there's so much pressure to be perfect at everything. And that's just creating a stress epidemic of people running around like mad chooks. And the World Health Organization says that stress is the epidemic of the twenty first century. And I couldn't agree more. And yet most of that stress we've probably Put on ourselves. And as women in particular, we've strived so hard to get equality in the workplace and in life. And yet, all the statistics show we still take the major burden in home life and those sorts of things. And then we're trying to look good in our Lorna Jane at the same time. And social media has certainly contributed to that because we're so much more visible than we were. Our whole life is visible, not just, you know, our corporate life or something. It's now our, our toast in the morning with avocado on it is
0: now judged and compared <laughs> i was walking with my girlfriend this morning and i asked her what did success mean to her and she said now at my age which is about my age she said said oh my greatest success is happiness in my family and mm. i went you're absolutely right mm. you know but i think you have to go through all these things to get to the other end it's like you can't know joy if you don't know sorrow you know mm. all those old things sayings that people said they're really true yeah and uh, but i think the moment and i think what heidi is saying exactly is that you know the moment is now if you keep looking ahead you're missing what's behind you and what what you're doing now and you know all my dad used to always say that your legacy in life is to create as many memories as you can
2: mm. and that's what
0: you're leaving behind and i just think that is the truest thing ever yeah but if you forget to create the memory you don't have a legacy. Yeah. That's all there is to but it. If you're not present That's while right. it's happening. Absolutely. Yeah. Because
2: yeah. we're too busy selfieing or yeah. thinking about how will that look on my social media profile.
1: My husband and I have a blended family. We came together 16 years ago. And for the longest time, I would say to him, I just want us to be a happy family. I just want us to mm-hmm. be a happy family. And it's interesting that I reflect back now and I realize that I was putting stress on myself, I don't know about the kids in the Craig so much, much, but I know I was putting stress on myself going, we have to be a happy family. Mm. So I used to go out and try and do all these things to go, no, we're a happy family. Mm. And then it's been over the last few years as our kids have become teenagers and now adults that I've learnt I have to actually let go of that and go, if I am the best I can be and my hubby is the best he can be, our kids will be okay that's and right. we'll be a happy family mm. naturally. But I remember that we, I, that caused me a lot of stress. I realise now because I would get uptight if I'd be like, oh, there's a bit of conflict in the family. Oh, no, that's not great. We're not a happy family.
0: Mm. Yeah. And I think just normal. Yeah, I remember when when I had my first child. I was young, and I was always always worried that people would think I wouldn't do a good job. Yeah, and um, I was thinking, oh, you know, I, I'm a good parent. I kept saying it to myself, and I was a damn good parent. Yeah, <laughs> and I, you know, you are a damn good parent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I raised three really nice people you know to be part of our community I'm really proud of them but that was my pressure because you were young and everybody else was going and studying and doing whatever and here I was raising this little family and uh, I always felt that pressure of people judging me that and they weren't. Mm. I was doing that to myself. Yeah. And, uh, but I always, you know, wanted to say, look at my kids. They're nice people, you know. And uh, I knew they were, but I still kept saying it to myself. And I think it's our own pressure that we do. You know, and as you get older, you don't give a toss anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so. Hallelujah. Support a sister and leave us a review whenever you listen to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> AJ, do
1: you see that with your clients that, mm. look, that the stress and their vision of success is really things they've put on themselves? It's not what other people... Absolutely. On them.
2: It's external. Yeah. Um, and just this morning before I came here for this, um, I was working with a client in Adelaide who has been in bed, bedridden for two years because of adrenals and her body shutting down from stress um, in mm. a high powered government position. And um, yeah, she was saying it was all about looking right, doing the right thing, delivering as hard as she could. And she wanted to be making a difference, but was essentially forgetting herself in that. So I still see it all the time, everywhere. And interestingly, this morning, I was listening to Darren Morton, who's a happiness doctor and is into positive psychology. And he said a statement that sometimes your happiness is the cause of your smile. And sometimes your smile is the cause of your happiness. And I loved that because it just reminds you, you know, to stop in the moment, to be grateful, to smile and that that could actually shift your mood. And I think we're looking externally for that reinforcement. And I know I was for the first whole half of my life, you know, was always trying to do the right thing by everyone. And the moment I started to come home to myself, all of that shifted. And interestingly, I've probably achieved more success once I stopped trying to be something. So how did you do that? (laughs) come home to yourself because there'll be people listening sisters
1: if you're listening right now and you might um, resonate with this conversation maybe you've been striving so hard for what you see as success but maybe it's actually just about being at peace with yourself
2: yeah definitely and I think you know you can't bottle it down really easily because it's been years of working towards it as well but I thought of there's kind of three tips or things that worked for me Um, and the first one came from the beautiful Charlotte Tharup a beautiful mindfulness guru yes (laughs) and that was to embrace Jo Mo. Um, so the joy of missing out because when we're driving and striving and trying to do the right thing by everyone, we're always saying yes to everything um, but saying no to ourselves. And so embracing JOMO was the first one and that joy of missing out. So not having to go to every event or every party or every business meeting and starting to choose to say no and have a cup of tea and read a book and do something that pleases you and the second one was really establishing boundaries and my non-negotiables so I'd had poor boundaries before and had you know allowed those to be walked over and had given them away and so learning my own boundaries and one of those is practicing slow mornings is that I need my time in the morning to meditate to walk to run whatever do yoga so that I feel ready to take on the world and feel healthy and well and that has improved my mental health as well as my physical health and everything so incredibly so I would say that establish your boundaries or work out what's your own daily practice and then third gratitude and optimism you know that whole fact that we can make ourselves feel more happy just by smiling Um, so be more optimistic focus on and gratitude as well because when we focus on gratitude we're focusing on what we have not what we don't have. And usually when we're striving and burning out, it's because we're trying to achieve something else that's external. But once we practice gratitude, we're grateful for what we do have. And that's when everything just gets so much richer. I wake up with a heart full every day. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And children do that, don't they? Little children because they live Oh, yeah. Kids. Children and puppies. Do Puppy it. dogs. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They know how to do it. You know, they, they, they just let everything go. They, they're open and you just can just feel that, oh, I wish I was just like you. They, they dance like no one's watching.
2: Exactly. Look yeah. at a toddler eat a bit of chocolate and have it all over their face and just be in delight. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. I've had the realisation during the whole COVID isolation and for me that period of time was four weeks um, because after that we had a new starter, a new employee start, and so I needed to um, go with her and train her up Mm. and, and spend time with her as a new employee. And so I had those four weeks during the isolation. The first week I was... Struck with anxiety and that was around worry that um, got you back sister, the charity. That was going to make it through that time, you know, worrying about money, worrying about staff, worrying about the, the ladies that we help. Was everybody going to be okay? Mm. And then after I got at the end of that first week and I'm like, no, that's okay. You know, you sort, sort things out in your head and made peace with that. I actually started to enjoy some of that time. And mm. I'm not a morning person, <laughs> as you know. <laughs> yep. I'm not great in the morning. <laughs> but it was interesting because I started – we were going to bed at 8.30. And I, so I was waking up at 6.00. And either going for a walk with my hubby or I had a walking buddy, Anita Nelms or Shell Faithful. So we would go for our walks and all of a sudden my day started to change.
2: Mm.
1: And because I wasn't going to social events and I wasn't going to networking events, all of a sudden I felt so much calmer. And by the end of the fourth week of the isolation before we had our new employees starting, I needed to go back into the workplace, I was like, how can I keep this going? Mm. Because actually... Going to all those different networking events wasn't really making me happy. It was actually a chore I was doing because I felt that I had to and actually it wasn't making me happy. And my hubby said last night, he's like, I really love this. We've been cooking dinner every night. Mm. I did I did have some takeaway and home delivered stuff, you know, during the whole I say thing. But you no, know, I've been cooking dinner at night. We've been sitting there having chats with nowhere to go. And it's been really nice. So we've Mm. actually connected way more and we were always good anyway, but, you know, even, even more connected. And I'm like, how can I keep this going?
0: I think a lot of men have said that. In our social group, a lot of men have said that it's nice to just come home and they don't feel like they have to go anywhere or do anything and their family's there or you can just go home and have a cup of tea and sit down and feel like I don't have to race out somewhere and you can get your jammies on and do whatever and not get dressed up and race around the place. And I think home is a sanctuary, as you know, Mm. you've been creating yours with your little home. and. You know, the things that are really important to you are really where that structure is. Mm. And, you know, you've had where you've had um, wellness with your mum and the milestones they successes of all mm. the things that she's done. I remember my dad with his first stroke and the first step he took, I was just so, you know, I was screaming with delight, oh, you can do this, you can do this, you know. And uh, they're successes of everything. Mm-hmm. And when we measure our lives and you look back on all the things that you've done, it's all the little things, isn't it, that are really the most important things in your life, you know. is that, you know, when you're raising money for something other than yourself, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. you know, the
0: joys that all those things. They're all successes. Yeah. That has
1: given me the greatest joy. Okay, moment of truth. For many years when I was younger, I had a perception that if you worked in a community service organisation, that you are like, I would probably viewed them like a community-based organisation as a bit of a poor cousin to right. a corporate organisation. Mm. Like in my 20s and 30s, I, yeah. I certainly, that was my perception. Mm-hmm. And so it's really interesting now that I'm like, Running a community-based organization, yeah. and it absolutely fills my soul,
0: mm. and doing
1: it well. Oh, thank you, yeah. thank you, exceptionally. But go, mm. Yeah, but I go, it it fills my soul
0: because mm. giving is a great is a great endorphin. It feels wonderful to give mm. and to mm. see someone, you know, um, help someone else. Yeah, you know, I remember as children, they, my dad we used to, he really disliked you know, drinking and stuff. And uh, if we had a party, he would fill every dreg of alcohol into bottles and we'd all go over to the Tree of Knowledge at Wickham and pass it out to the alcoholics over there. And he used to say, these people are in pain and we're helping them, you know, because they're to ease that pain. And I think, you know what, being brought up with someone saying there's someone other than you Mm. is a great way to, to live your life you know yep. and to think about we are part of a community and as we've found with being isolated mm. you know when you can't see your friends or you can't hug someone you love the the missing out of that in your heart is just awful mm. i can't stand it <laughs> i want to kiss everybody <laughs> you know and um, and i want to get my grandchildren and squeeze them to death so you know that there is so many wonderful things. And, and Heidi is highlighting that with everything that she does and letting us know that there's so many parts of our lives that are, can be successful in so many ways.
2: And I think that giving to charity and or being involved in community in some ways is so important so long as you've also filled up your cup first.
0: Yes. Absolutely. And so
2: that's the big part here in the driving for success, don't do it with the wrong intention yes. or because you feel you have to do it because you love doing it and because you're already full yep. and you have capacity to give to yep. others. Yeah.
0: Yep. Let's get soulful on social media. Search the Sister Code Facebook page and follow us
1: on Instagram. Years ago, a girlfriend of mine was doing a fun questionnaire with me and she said to me, what do you believe – deem success when do you know that you've you're successful and I remember I said I believe and I'm I still believe this that we're truly successful when we have choice Mm. when we can choose whatever it is that we want to bring into our lives some people don't always have choice Mm. I don't know
2: I would probably say the Maya Angelou quote is what always comes up for me and that's that, you know, people won't remember what you said or what you did but how you made them feel. Yeah. Yeah. So my friend, AJ, corporate coach,
1: (laughs) business leader extraordinaire, for anybody who is listening, any of the Soul Sisters, if you're listening now, What would you say to them if maybe they have been feeling the stress and strain of trying to meet some sort of criteria of success, whether it's wealth, career, relationships, you know, seeing the comparisonitis Mm. on um, social media?
2: I would say work out what your values are first. So know your personal values and align whatever you do be, spend your time and energy on around those values so that that's fulfilling you. Mm. And then secondly, I love the four burner theory, which is not mine, but the four burner theory is the whole idea of a stovetop that has four burners on it and that you could go one's relationships, one's health, one's career, right? That sort of thing. And choose just two in any season to focus on. So for the next quarter or the next year or whatever it is, choose two and go, okay, I want to focus on my family and I want to focus on my career. If that's it, then just those two. So don't try and be everything to everyone in all the other areas of life. I need to change my vision board. (laughs) Because it's got too many aspects. Because you can't always, you know, focus on perfect health and a perfect family and perfect money and a perfect career and all of that all at once. And there is no perfection. You know, the perfection is we're alive. And I like to think of shifting our frame of mind so many people drive and do so much to please people that don't really care and hoping that they'll go to heaven, yeah. <laughs> whatever that is at the end of the day. My shift is that this is heaven. Heaven is earth. I love that. And if you woke up every day and went, this is heaven, like I'm already here and arrived, then everything you do is so beautiful and such a gift and it totally changes your perspective because there's nothing to strive for.
0: I love that.
2: You're here. Yeah. Just be I love that you
1: said that Jan And that's what I always When I think of you I think of that Live with love and kindness Mm. Do
0: everything with love And you'll always feel good It doesn't matter what it is It's um, You know To have So much love That you can give to other people And share it And be there And put your hand out And say I'm here for you that is success on so many levels, you know. And it's then you give, it gives back in everything else because that's how you feel.
2: You are a giant ball of love, Jan. <laughs>
0: That's why we all love you. Oh, That's why God. we want to be you ask when, my husband that when I go home. <laughs> you
1: all say we want to be you when we grow up.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, I want to be a supreme, but it hasn't happened yet. <laughs>
1: oh, and oh. I think that is a beautiful note to end it on. Thank you so much, ladies, for coming in and and Thank pulling you. that apart. Success yes. and
2: yeah, yeah. Live it on your terms. Live Absolutely. it on your terms. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Thanks, all <laughs> sisters. Thank you. Thank
0: you. Thanks for listening to Hey Soul Sister with Mel Histon. What would help you on your crazy life journey? Email melissa at thesistercode.com.